Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk. I'm Tracy Morgan. Always nice to have you with us this time of day. Of course, it's our 30 minutes that we get to talk to great professionals in and around the area. Today is our day with the Butler Health System, and we're going to be talking to a doctor who is in Zeely and Opal, a primary care physician, Dr. Veronica Vizzani. And we'll welcome her into the program here in just a moment. But first, let me give you all the different ways that you can listen. Because, of course, you do have us on the radio. Love you for listening that way, but we know that everyone's gone digital. So there is an app for your phone. Alexa-powered devices will bring us up. If you just say Alexa, play WISR 680. Uh, let's see, streaming on our website. So you'd go WISR680.com. There is a button right there that says listen live. You just click that, it'll come up and you can hear us as we're broadcasting now. And then if you stay on our website, you would pick programs, let's talk, and that's where the podcast will be. That player will come right up there for you and you just look for the Butler Health System today. All right. Well, we are with Dr. Vizzani. Dr. Vizzani's on the phone with me. Thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, nice to, we'll put the air quotes up, meet you. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> one day in person, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about a few things. Um, of course, pro- pro- COVID protocols and the flu, but I really want to dive into what you do, what got you interested in medicine, because you are in Zelenopol and you're from Harmony, but you have spent 20 years being in Army, uh, in the Army. Were you an Army physician? What was your history there? Yes, so I started medical school and it was during my first year of medical school that I decided to join the military as they would help take some of the burden of the cost of medical school. And so I joined in 1991 and I joined the Army and then I was an army physician. I went to Tacoma, Washington, and I was a general surgery intern. Actually, I was going to be a surgeon. And then I decided I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon. And then during that time, I actually got deployed um, overseas to Germany. And I spent three years in Germany. And during that time, I was actually deployed as a commander of a medical detachment the 31st Medical Detachment into Hungary and Bosnia during um, I-4. So that was in the early 90s, excuse me, the late 90s. And um, it was during that time that I decided to go into family practice because I was responsible for 1,500 soldiers in, in Hungary and all of the ailments that they could have. And I was on call 24-7 and I had my own ambulance, my own pharmacy, and I was responsible for everything. And it was just exciting. It was being a doc in the town, so to speak. It's interesting that you went that route because we hear so many people say, I decided to go into the military to help pay for whatever industry that they, that they focused on. Are, are good choice for you? Are you appreciative that you did it? Excellent choice. Excellent choice. I, I really love the military. It's very, you know, everything in there is very predictable. Um, and I, I like structure and it was a really great fit for me. I, I really felt like I excelled in there and had I not wanted a family, I probably would have stayed. But during that time, there seemed to be a lot of deployments and I felt like it was not as conducive to family life as I needed. And then I ended up getting out, but I, I loved every minute of it. I traveled a lot. I saw so much of the world and I was thrown into situations that I just had to adapt and overcome. And that's really become my motto in my entire life. 
And so how do you adjust from being in that environment that you said was exciting and, and engaging? And not that Zeleonopo is not, and not that Harmony is not, but it's a different atmosphere. You know, I mean, it's it's small town. And, and how do you make that adjustment? You make the adjustment by learning how to take your vacations and travel. You go places that create that environment for you. Uh, my, my family was very involved in exchange students. So we have a lot of exposure kind of across the world in different countries from exchange students and and visiting their families or visiting the great parts of the United States. Like one of my favorites is Alaska. And that's that's how I do that. And life is a little different now, you know, because I'm not as young as I was. And so it's nice to be home. It's very nice to be home. And it's nice to know the people around me. And Western Pennsylvania, of all the places I've been, I love it. I love it the best. Especially in Zelenopol. Good place. Good place. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. One more question. Did you have to do basic training? I always wonder when folks say I'm going to go into the military for whatever given industry. Did you have to do basic training? Oh my. It is basic training, but it's very different for an officer. You go in as an officer. You go in as a second lieutenant because you have a college degree. And so you're in officer basic training and everyone who was ever in the military will say you didn't really do basic training, (laughs) but, but you do do basic training, but it's nothing compared to what the soldiers do that are non-commissioned and kudos to them because that's, that's a tough spot. And it's good to know that too. I think because if people hear that and they think I I wouldn't be able to get through the basic training, but I would like to choose the military for the purposes that you did as well. It's nice to know that there is a bit of a difference. So maybe people would go ahead and choose the military. And it was, it was really a wonderful option because I came out of there, you know, really ahead of myself, you know, at my age, I had no debt and I was making bonuses because I was overseas and I didn't have a lot to spend it on, and I started my retirement early. It was incredible. It wow. was a really wonderful opportunity. Well, retirement from the military, but you have your practice in Zelianopol. Your office is on South Main Street, 322 South Main Street, and you now That's have correct. a family practice, and so uh, that is underway for you. What is your, your I don't want to say your focus, because family practice means a lot, but what's one of your favorite parts of being a, a, a general physician? So I really like the idea of helping people with lifestyle modification. For example, um, you're a diabetic or your family has diabetes and you don't want to become a diabetic. You know, what are the things that you need to be doing? How do we accomplish your goals? And those areas are really exciting for me because we have the power as individuals to really create our own medical history a lot of the time and reduce the risk as we go. So I, I love the idea of teaching people how to eat right, teaching people where to fit exercise into their life so that they can feel good about themselves. It helps with so many different conditions, you know, even depression and anxiety, which there seems to be such a lot of right now. And so that's a very exciting part for me. Also, I, I love kids. I love, I love the babies. I love the families where you start with, one person and you get the extended family and now you're getting generations that's just so heartwarming do you get let me go to the adults for a moment Uh, I don't want to leave out the kids but let me ask you when you're talking about lifestyle changes and adults do you get a lot of people who hold back from getting help or maybe embarrassed because they think I'm an adult and I should know this but I don't know this like for some reason I can't get out of this negative cycle in life that I either can't lose weight or can't control the diabetes or, or whatnot 
You do. I, I do. I do see people who are in that situation because they've had that yo-yo effect where they've gained and they've lost and they've gained and they lost. And I try to meet people exactly where they are. And I think that that is, you know, exactly what they're looking for. They want someone to not criticize them and not judge them, but help them understand the difference. And I find that education is probably the most important thing that I do. When I educate people, now they buy into the whole process, whether it's their high blood pressure, whether it's their diabetes, whether it's their heart disease, whether it's their Crohn's disease. When you educate people, now they know why you're doing something. Now they know why it's important, and they're more likely to follow through. Even preventive medicine, such as mammograms and colonoscopies, people buy into it if they understand why, and there are good reasons. And I always say, ask questions, ask doctors questions. I, I had a particular doctor in, in my history that would always joke with me because this is my life, right? I ask people questions. That's my mm-hmm, job. Mm-hmm. And I would go and he would know that I would have a list. You know, I'm like, here's this question and this question and this question. And he would joke when I didn't have my questions. He's like, wow, well, you know, what, what are you doing? But I, I share that story because I, I don't know if people ask enough questions or if they know what to ask. And it's okay to say, I don't know what to ask you right now. Right. And, and questions, especially when people come in with lists, those actually can be helpful because then I can see immediately where your focus is. Mm, I know what your concern is. I know what your worries are so that I can make sure that I address those and put you at ease. Instead of going down my regimen, I might see your blood pressure is high, but if your big concern is that your mother died and you need to get through this grief process, I need to recognize that and put that blood pressure on the back burner a little bit because if I don't address your grief, then I've missed the boat. How as a doctor do you pinpoint an issue to start investigating? I know you have to, you know, hear symptoms and put things together. It's kind of a, um, an investigative process for you, I'm sure. But if, if I were to come in with all these symptoms that I looked up online, that doesn't mean that, that's a, that those are symptoms pointed towards a certain condition. How do you figure out what condition needs to be addressed? Well, a lot of times you're really just going off of history. You know, you're going to look at the history of the patient and you're looking what have they been through so far in life because everyone's a story. And when you know what the story is, then you can see where you might be going with it. It might have to do with where their travel was. It might have to do with their diet. It might have to do with their family history. And, it, and you look at the constellation of symptoms and then you go from there. And then you start your investigation. But the history is the most important part. And a poor historian or someone who doesn't know what they've been through in life is always the most difficult. Dr. Veronica Vizani is with me. She's uh, She has her office at 322 South Main Street in Zealand and Opal. And, doctor, I'm going to ask you your phone number now in case we want to be a part of your practice. She's a family physician, family practice. And then I'll ask you that again before we leave because we have plenty of time to cover a few other topics. But how do we get a hold of your office if we'd like to become a patient? The best way to get a hold of me is 833-391-0737. And she is with, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. That goes to the care center uh, through Butler, and they have a direct line to the office in order to schedule appointments, in order to ask questions, in order to help guide us in what we're looking to take care of. And thank you for saying that, because I was going to lead into the the fact that when I say that you're with the Butler Health System, I think a lot of us think Butler, Butler area. Zealand Opal, of course, being a little bit down the road, but not that far in Butler County, but you are still with the Butler Health System. That is correct. 
So if we needed you there, if we needed the hospital, of course, everything is connected in, in electronic information. So that's always a benefit. I want to turn our attention to the flu, if you will. I'll just come out and say it. I don't want to beat around the bush because we don't have that much time left with you. But the flu has been something that some people have talked about in the past year because typically every year we hear about flu numbers. And since last year, it's been all covid I know there have been a lot of people who have questioned, well, what about the flu? Have you not had flu cases or you're not reporting the flu? That would be on us. But um, but actually, there haven't been as many flu cases, have there? No, there sure haven't. And it was interesting because last fall, when everyone was really worried about the flu, my comments were, with everything we're do- doing for COVID, I'm going to bet that we're going to have a great reduction in the number of flu cases. And it looks to be true. Back in 2019-2020 season, so the previous season, we had in Pennsylvania 131,000 cases. And nationally, there were 38 million cases for that year. This year in Pennsylvania, we've only had 2,800 cases. So we dropped from 131,000 cases down to 2,800 cases of the flu, where people were tested and they came up positive. And that has been a game changer because it's the deaths are way down back in 2020 or the year before we had 22,000 deaths and we're just not seeing that this year Um, and that has a lot to do with the changes that we've made for COVID. Well, how do you see the future then with flu? Do you think the numbers will be back up next year? And I'm only speculating from what we've seen in the past year. I highly doubt that you're going to get people to wear masks every day throughout the year. No, I I imagine that people won't be wearing masks because the patients that I have, so many of them say, I'm done with this. I can't wait till we don't have to wear a mask. But I'm really hoping that we'll still see a reduction in numbers. I don't think it'll be this drastic of a reduction. This is the lowest number of cases I think that we may have ever seen since keeping track of the number of cases. But people learned finally how to hand wash. People learned finally how to sanitize surfaces and how to keep their houses and light switches clean and doorknobs. And you see things happening at stores where they're keeping the carts clean. Um, even the children know how to wash their hands now, and they pay more attention. And I think that was it. I think that we weren't paying attention, although it was being talked about as the important things to do. Now people are paying attention. So I'm hoping that we still in the future will see a reduction because this has been a benefit to everyone. Have you seen as many cases of the common cold? No. That actually has been reduced greatly as well. And the one um, virus is the rhinovirus is one of the viruses that was really able to break through the masking and the social distancing because it tends to be a virus that's more hardy on hard surfaces, so on surfaces such as handles and light switches. And so that's the one virus that seems to have been a little bit more prominent when it comes to the common cold because that's the virus that causes the common cold. Um, But really, you've seen a decrease in all of them for all the same reasons, the masking, the social distancing, the sanitizing, um, and the hand washing. And I want to ask a a connection between common cold and and COVID here in a second, but I don't want to leave this discussion just quite yet. Let me go back to the flu. 
uh, it all kind of wraps in together because COVID, you're talking about common colds and colds and, and, and symptoms that are similar. But then we get into COVID vaccine. So I'm going to back up to the flu and the flu vaccine. So can we still get it? Should we still get a flu vaccine? What's your thought on the vaccine for the flu? You can absolutely still get a flu vaccine. And they, it is also surmised that that's one of the reasons why we've had a decrease is because we've had a record number of vaccines given this year. There's been 200 million vaccines for the flu given this year. And in the year previously, only 174 million. That's a significant change. And some seasons, there were only 130 million vaccines given. So people have been much more willing to get the flu vaccine this year, which also has been protective and had a protective effect. But we are still getting um, some flu. We are still seeing some flu. And it's still recommended to get the flu vaccine, which you just need to call your local pharmacy. That's probably the best place is to try to check with pharmacies who have flu shots still available. They have, for example, in our office, we don't have them anymore because we gave them out. And I just want to clarify that the flu vaccine is different than the COVID vaccine. Absolutely. Absolutely. The flu vaccine really focuses on the strains of flu that have been through the area and expected to come through the area. And of course, the COVID vaccine is specific for COVID-19. So when we've talked about COVID before with Dr. Love and Dr. Rottinghouse, we've talked about variants. Is that what happens also with the flu over time that the flu, of course, has been around for quite some time? Um, has that mutated over time? Does that have variants to it? Yes, it definitely does. And the flu vaccine focuses on those variants that are expected to be coming through. That's why sometimes the flu vaccine is very effective. And other times the flu vaccine seems not to be as effective in preventing the flu. If the strains weren't interpreted to be, you know, interpreted correctly as to what we were expecting to see, then we do see a a decline in the ability of the flu vaccine to protect. Now, you have seen some flu cases. Like you said, the numbers are way, way down. Uh, We are talking about a COVID year, if you will, but the common cold is still out there. Have you seen those cases as well? And I ask that because a lot of people, not a lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot. I guess that's relative to what you think is a lot. But I've had conversations with people that they've said, I've gone to get a COVID test and it was negative, but I still felt ill. So is the common cold still out there? Yes, it definitely is. And, and like I said, a lot of those might be rhinoviruses, but you also need to expect to see an increase in the RSV, which is um, another virus that typically affects the, the young, the infants, the very young, the most, and the elderly. And this is, you'll see this especially as the kids are going back to school, mask use is decreasing. We definitely expect to see a rise in those number of cases. And I just had a family that I got tested for COVID and it was negative and they clearly have cold symptoms and they clearly have not the flu either as that was negative, but they have the common cold. And so we're, I expect that we're going to continue to see that increase as the weather changes and as people are wearing less masking and things are going back to a more normal situation. It's been an interesting year. Uh, Of course, COVID is on top of mind, although people will still get the common cold. They still have allergies. So people are still sneezing and coughing because allergies is something that has to be dealt with as well. 
Talk about COVID for a moment. Uh, Just your thoughts on where we are right now. Of course, the vaccines are out there, still trying to roll out. Supply still needs to come in. But uh, what's your thought as as a family physician and where we are right now with COVID? I think that we have really turned a corner with COVID. You see the numbers are decreasing. The number of hospitalizations are decreasing. We've learned a lot. Over, over time with COVID about proper treatment, about who would benefit from different kinds of treatments, at what stages you would institute certain treatments. We've all learned as a society the importance of doing some of the social distancing, and we've become a lot more aware. So we're learning how to protect ourselves, and we're learning how to protect ourselves as a community, and I think that that has been instrumental. Don't forget the vaccine. The vaccine really seems to have helped bring down some of these numbers potentially as well. They say that once you've had it for two weeks, you start to see that immunity building your system. Um, And the confusion that seems to occur with the vaccine is this vaccine is not supposed to protect you from getting COVID. It's supposed to reduce the symptoms. Our, Our sincere hope is that the COVID vaccine helps protect people where they might have symptoms like a common cold, but they don't end up in the hospital and they don't end up with severe cases. And you understand, of course, that your focus is being an MD, not a psychologist, but I'm going to ask you this question because you are dealing with people. How do you help your your patients be able to make this kind of emotional transition back into knowing that at one point, whatever given point that is, that things will be okay. You know, I mean, we will be gathering again at at whatever given point. I guess you always focus on hope. I always try to help people see the positive in things, and I focus on the hope of what we can do and, and what we can do now. And sometimes people are just so afraid that they don't feel that they can do anything. And once they start to realize that they have some control in their life, that makes all the difference. And so I try to help find how I can best facilitate that for them. And I see a lot of patients with anxiety. I see a lot of patients with depression. And those numbers have really increased this year as to be expected. What can you tell us about the anxiety and depression and the help that is out there? Because some people may not feel comfortable yet going to see a doctor. Maybe they don't feel comfortable yet doing a visit online but yet being isolated probably is not, I'm guessing you're the doctor. I'm going to ask you for clarification. I'm guessing that being isolated is not healthy whatsoever. No, being isolated, it seems to make people dwell on their problems more. Um, And again, I'm going to throw it right out there. Exercise is important. Okay. So if you are too afraid to go to the doctor and you're too afraid to um, perhaps to have an online type chat, number one, I'd like to see you trying to talk to some family members then instead of dwelling it on it on it yourself. And the second thing that I would say is get out and go for a walk. The weather's getting nicer. The air is good. The sun is good for the soul. Go out and walk. The exercise will be good for you. You'll feel better by the time you come back. And that helps people understand that there's not as much to be afraid of, that going out and being around be in the out in the environment is actually much better for them and reach out to family members reach out to friends over the phone get people involved so that they can help you through this and maybe they would be able to help convince you that it's time
the doctor. If we feel like we're going down that path in life, the anxiety is getting to us, the depression is getting to us, can we come to you first as a family physician or do we automatically go to a psychiatrist? What's your suggestion on that? I definitely recommend that you talk to your family physician first because in our training we are equipped to deal with anxiety and depression since it's so common. Perhaps one-third of my patients have anxiety and depression, and that seems like a high number, but that's the reality. And we are trained, and some are trained better than others through the years of experience, but I would start with your family physician because you can get some immediate help. The other thing that you can do is you can look into counseling. Counseling is really important, especially for anxiety. The gold standard for anxiety is counseling. And so uh, looking into counseling, whether it be through a religious organization or through a psychologist or some formal therapy sessions, you know, there's different avenues that you can go. Being in the Army, being a medical doc, uh, being deployed, I don't know how much um, crises and emergencies that you've seen, and I know we're running out of time to you know, go through all of that. My question is this, though. Whenever you saw emergencies through your career, are you able to relate that to what we have gone through now? I know that there are different situations in, in um, being a soldier versus being through COVID, but still, do we still have, um, will we need help in transitioning from what may have been a traumatic experience over the past year into living our lives normally again? Absolutely. I think that we're going to see uh, some long-term effects on people from things that happen to them out of their control. And that's the biggest thing with the crises. Um, you really have to approach it one day at a time. You have to approach it trying to find the positive and the silver lining in each situation. But I think that we will see uh, down the road problems from people that people will have from feeling like they didn't have control over that period of their life. Hopefully it will be minimized because of the length of time and because of the support and because we've all been through this together and because people have really learned how to help each other in this situation. And that's the beauty of all of this is the help that people have given each other. I have had conversations where people have said, I'm just in a different place than I was a year ago. Or they've said, you know, I'm just not ready for this yet, whatever this would be, you know, whether it's going out to a restaurant or visiting family or, or whatever it is. So I, I just, I'm glad that you answered, and, and I appreciate your answer because I think that we're just going to have to make this transition, and uh, we may need help doing that. So Dr. Veronica Bazzani, she is in Zelenopal, 322 South Main Street. She has her family practice there, and so glad that we could say you're home, <laughs> knowing that you're yes, from Harmony, obviously. right? Yeah, welcome right. back home. Um, Thank you. Yeah, great towns. Love Harmony, love Zelenopal. And uh, so if you want to get a hold of her again, I'll turn to you, doctor, for all your contact information, and we can go from there. Uh, our phone number is 833-391-0737. And we can be found on the corners of Main and Culvert Street, right in downtown Zillianople. And, of course, with the Butler Health System, so all connected there. So that's always nice in case you live up this way or maybe you need to uh, use the hospital's uh, services. She is still connected with the Butler Hospital, so that's always great. If you're in the Zillianople area, there's an option for you, too, with Dr. Vizani. Uh, last question for you, just your final thoughts on our conversation today. I know we kind of went in a couple of different areas, and maybe I'll just ask you this as, as a final thought is uh, why do you love what you do? 
I love what I do because I see the difference that I can make in people's lives. You don't realize the impact you have every day in someone's life until it happens. And when someone comes back and says, thank you, you helped me. No one would listen. You listen. It makes all the difference in my own life. And that's why I love what I do. Doctor, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. And uh, best of luck as you continue forward with your practice. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And folks, thank you very much for joining us for this segment of Let's Talk. If you would like to listen to this segment, again, its entirety, just go back onto our website. It's WISR680.com. You would pick programs, Let's Talk, and then the player will open up for you and you just look for the Butler Health System. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Tracy Morgan with Let's Talk.